Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark and this episode is going to be big. I've been building it up now for a good week on social media and you've probably guessed who it is by now. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Ron Perlman. Yes, you heard me right and I'm absolutely buzzing and I can't wait to share this episode with you. What a dream guest and one that I can't believe that's actually happened. So I'm thrilled and it's going to be coming up very, very shortly. But in true Mark and Me fashion, let's talk about the last episode. I was joined by Marilyn Gigliotti and the response was absolutely phenomenal. I love the fact that she took the time to read everyone's responses and personally reply to everyone on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and I've been speaking to her since. It's one of her favourite interviews that she's ever done, and the response was magical. So thanks for everyone that took the time to comment, and I really do know just how much Marilyn appreciated it. So back on to today's episode. Yes, Ron Perlman is going to be joining me, and we're talking all things movies, we're talking about his career, all the stuff that got him into acting. I think we should just get to it. This is a big moment for Mark and me, so let's have a beer. And here it is, me and Ron Perlman. Hey Ron, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. Have you had a good day of press so far? Uh, yes, I've learned a lot of stuff about how much should I have. I don't know what, what you wanted to talk to me for when you could get Mads Mikkelsen. That was a, that was a, that was a long morning. We had, we had a coffee and it ended up turning into an all-day drinking session, but it was good fun, so it was, a, it was good. God bless that Mads. He's a good man. He's a, he can drink too, can he? Massively. So what I wanted to do is for the listeners out there today is take it right back to the start and find out what it was that actually triggered you to want to become an actor when you were growing up. I don't know. It's, it's hard to answer that in one single way. I, I, my dad was a, a movie freak. Yeah. And um, his heroes back in the day are my heroes now. You know, um, Errol Flynn, Clark Gable, Spencer Tracy, Cagney, Bogart. Barbara Stanwyck, uh, Gene Arthur, Frank Capra, John Ford, John Wayne, of course. He turned me on to all those things um, pretty much as they were happening or, or right after they had ha- were happening uh, in the early days of television broadcasting because I was born in 1950. And um, so there's that. There's this whole appreciation for the magic of movies. On a personal level, in high school, they were casting a school play. I was forced into going to the audition because they couldn't get any boys to come. All these girls wanted to audition, no boys. And because I was the only boy that showed up, of course, I got the lead because the lead was a guy, a male. The, the kind of process of losing myself and turning into somebody who was much more fun than me, much more interesting than me, much smarter than me, and then putting that up in front of an audience where for the two hours that the play was on, I could hear a pin drop out there and everybody was waiting on my next word. I said to myself, holy shit. I mean, this is like, this is an existential boner. Like, you know, being on a stage and holding a thousand people in the palm of your hand and getting them to react to your your every nuance. Yeah. Something incredibly powerful about that. That in conjunction with the fact that uh, I get to not be me for a while. I get to be this creation that sprung out of this writer's imagination, and it's a much more interesting version of me than I could ever be. So uh, a lot of boxes get checked off. Yeah. Um, 
and and then you realize that the way it's affecting you is almost like aphrodisiacal. You, you know where I'm you know where I'm going with this, right? Definitely. I don't think that's a word, but you know, it's it's a very kind of sexual empowering feeling when you're acting, and it becomes like all sexually powerful, attractive feelings that you feel all the way down to your through your loins and to your toes. It's something that you start seeking more of. Yeah. And the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. And it just became this thing. It became part of my identity that I was going to find ways to be acting. So it took me two years through high school and then another four years through undergraduate school and then two more years through graduate school. And by the time I was done with my schooling, I had had eight years of stage experience under my belt. And it was just a foregone conclusion that I would go to New York and, and try to see if it would translate into making a living. So when you were doing all these stage plays for so long and then you obviously transferred to actual movies and TV, was that quite challenging? Did you find that kind of transition real difficult or was it quite a breeze? Still do. Yeah. <laughs> still, <laughs> yeah. still wondering, you know, is this my last one? Uh, does anybody, is, is there going to be another phone call? Will there be, you know, w- will I have to keep proving myself to the world, um, you know, when can I coast, you know. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's it, it's um, kind of a harrowing existence being a professional actor because there's nothing guaranteed. There's no rhyme or reason to when you're hot and when you're not. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier and it's, it's very, um, I'll think of the word. Anyway, let's move on. So as we're sitting here right now, your career is over Three decades, which is mind-blowing, and you know, you said it doesn't get any easier and it gets more challenging. But surely, with all that experience and variety of roles under your belt, it must it must feel like you're in a good place. Not many actors have a thirty-year career now. You, you you see these stars and they drift away quite quickly. I'm in a very very good place, and I don't mean for it to sound like um, um, it's as hard now as it was, you know, in those early days when nobody knew who I was. You know, I had to do nothing but prove myself, and I had to continue to do it over and over and over again. And you're only as good as your last thing, and sometimes they were awful. Yeah, there's been a huge trajectory, and the period I'm in right now is so satiating in terms of the opportunities that are coming my way, uh, the roles that I'm getting to play, the writers I'm getting to, whose work I'm getting to sort of try to help breathe life into. Uh, the other actors I'm working with, filmmakers, etc. But if it all ended right now, I would say, you know, this was the most satisfying version of all the things I dreamed about when I was younger than I could ever have imagined and way beyond. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a really good place and I'm, I'm okay if it all ended right now. Looking at your career there, obviously touching on the fact that you've worked with such a great range of writers directors actors for me the unique partnership you have with del toro is like nothing else you know from the moment you formed on chronos up to hellboy what's it like to work with such an absolute genius the the funny thing is is that yeah there's this kind of like peripheral knowledge that you're working with a genius but del toro is such a kind of a sprightly prepubescent uh, you know, there's a side of him that's very kind of adolescent and very kind of um, vaudevillian uh, that the last thing you think of is that you're working with a genius. You're working with somebody who's just as funny as a motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, 
as fun to be around and as 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 filled with uh you know complete non sequiturs and and you know the shit that comes out of his mouth is always delightful and always a surprise and he invites uh, an esprit de corps on the movie set that doesn't feel like you're reinventing the wheel or that you're you know that you're making something that's going to live in the pantheon of movies for the rest of eternity you know it feels like you're just bunch of degenerates you know trying to like recreate what it was, must have been like to be one of the three stooges you know yeah and uh that so that's the day-to-day minute-to-minute kind of ambiance of being around del toro and then you watch him do the commentary on one of his movies and you feel like you're watching <laughs> you know the like a nobel prize winner you know describe you know what it was like uh to gestate over you know, one of the greatest pieces of art ever invented. And uh, you can't believe it's the same guy. And, and what was it like, the fact that he put up such a fight to make sure that you were cast as Hellboy? He was, you know, he was rooting for you. He was like a cheerleader. He was not going to back down. You must have been so honoured that he had so much trust and respect for you. Well, it was, um, I've said this on many occasions, and you know, in many interviews, I have never witnessed an act like it in my life, I'm not sure anyone else has, for that matter, and I'm absolutely sure I'll never witness anything like it again. Without exaggeration, he, he could have made that movie ten times over in the seven years that he fought to get the role to, to be mine. And um, even I was saying to him, Guillermo, I understand the act of love that's going into your loyalty toward this, this vision, but you know it's never going to happen. You know, it's too good a movie to not make. Just fucking make the movie. I'll be there on opening night. I'll be cheering for you. You know, I don't care if it's with The Rock or Nick Cage or whoever else is on their list. You know, just fucking make it. And um, he says, yes, Ron, you're right. I will make it. Fuck, fuck it. Fuck it. I will make it. And he was lying to me the whole time. He was he was never going to make it unless he, unless he made it the way he wanted to make it. You just don't see that. I mean, on that level, when there's that much money at stake and when there's that much um, career-changing kind of, um, you know, things that are suggested, it's like once we finally get this thing off the ground, man, everybody's life's going to change. You you don't see people make those choices, ever. And so I feel as though I was the recipient of something very unique. definitely changed the trajectory of my career but also my personal life you know yeah it it it, um it made the world look at me differently it made me more bankable more um attractive it it, it changed the 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 direction of of the flow that came my way as an actor um which which in turn you know benefited my family and my personal life and my quality of life i mean it was just a gift that kept giving and um, I'm not sure Guillermo will ever truly understand, no matter how many, many times I thank him, no matter how many times I articulate this in the press and in real life, the impact that he had on me. But it'll never be forgotten. And what are your thoughts of the fact that only in a few weeks we're getting a brand new film of Hellboy? It seems very soon. It doesn't feel like the film's been out long enough to have this whole reboot already. Yeah, it's, um, you know... It's really not for me to comment on on any of that. 
even though I've said way too much already. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, it's like it's the direction that 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 particular title took is really none of my business. Yeah. Um, I had a chance to uh, to uh, to play that character twice under circumstances that can never be duplicated, and I'm really proud of what we did. That's all I'll say. Hopefully one day we'll get that final third film that we've all been pining for for many years. Yeah, I, I won't stop fighting for it. But One of my favourite things about you as an actor is the kind of vast array of different roles you do. You never typecast yourself into the same role. Looking at your IMDB page, looking at your career history, you don't ever know what to expect from your next announcement in casting, and I think that's really rare in Hollywood. It may, it's, it's such a thing that I respect for you, that the fact that you have done such an array of roles it's crazy the amount of different types of characters you've played it's it's a real honor you know well thanks you know it's 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 been um it was a a weakness and uh, a curse for the first half of my career that's actually turned into a strength and a blessing i mean you know the way you describe it is actually the truth of it but in the first half of my career the fact that that there was nothing that was kind of um, no fingerprint had ever been kind of you know definitively put in the sand so nobody actually ever knew what to do with me and it would take sometimes years and years for my next job to come along uh, this is pre-50 yeah um, and every once in a while a guy like Jean-Jacques Hanot or a guy like Guillermo del Toro would emerge and say okay here's your next one and I would go, holy fuck, what an amazing character, what an amazing project. Um, and then two or three years would go by before I got the next one. And it was simply because nobody quite knew what to do, because nobody quite knew what I did well. Um, and somehow that, that shifted in the second half of my life when I got to be an older guy. Uh, I don't know why. I you know I don't I don't have an answer to the difference in the zeitgeist that causes that shift, but I'm grateful. And um, it's kind of the way I always wanted it to be. You know, I never really wanted to be pigeonholed. Um, my favorite actors were the guys who disappeared behind the work, you know, who who were completely different every time you saw them, you know, the real character actors. Uh, I consider that to be um, really cool and really noble and really... Um, definitive kind of description of the craft yeah and um for you to say that is uh, means a lot to me you obviously directed one of the episodes of beauty and the beast and with actors now like bradley cooper and ben affleck going off and having a career in directing is that something that maybe you'd like to look at doing a lot more of in the future well there's this one movie i've been carrying around with me for like 19 years that i'm going to direct and it's about two brothers and I've i've only ever had the right brother you know one at a time (laughs) <laughs> still haven't done it but I mean I think I don't have any real taste in my mouth to become a director I just want to direct that movie because I feel very strongly about that uh, so I'd like to get that done and then that'll be that I really do love producing though you get the same kind of satisfaction out of producing as you do out of directing because you're involved in every decision you're involved in uh, the hiring of the entire cast and crew and figuring out the financing, figuring out uh, the marketing of it, figuring out uh, the cast of it, you know. There's no decision that 
that needs to be made that you're not involved in as a producer. So that's kind of satiating my desire to have a more holistic relationship with movie making. 19 years to carry a film around. That's a long time. I know. <laughs> if you finally do it, you might turn around and get this absolute buzz for it and be like, this is all I want to do now and just do a, a, you know, a sequel to it. Or it might give you that taste then to be like, why the fuck have I been an actor? I want to be a director. Yeah. But you no, must... I'll be the first guy who's ever started his directing career while wearing a diaper. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and not for the right reason. No. <laughs> and at the moment you're promoting your new film, Hitman Redemption, or Asher as it was in America, uh, playing the contract killer. I saw the film yesterday and I think it's it's brilliant. It's got a John Wick kind of feel. It's very sleek. I like the violence, but nothing for me beats the hunter becomes hunted sort of concept in a film. Now, how did you get involved in this movie? Um, they sent it to me around six years ago to see if I would attach myself to play Asher. Yeah. And it, it happened to arrive right at the moment where Wing and a Prayer Pictures had received enough funding to to actually hang out a shingle and go into business producing movies. So I found out that Asher uh, had no financing. It became the first movie that Wing and a Prayer optioned. And it became emblematic of kind of... Um, the brand that we were looking to, to form, um, the model being the, you know, exploration of the anti-hero uh, that emerged uh, out of America in the 60s and 70s with, like, Scorsese and Coppola and, and Friedkin, um, you know, the, 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 the blemished uh, figure who you couldn't take your eyes off and you didn't know why because he was often very flawed. Um Asher to me was was uh, a great example of a movie that you might have seen back then um, with like a, a Lee Marvin or you know um, a, a Gene Hackman or something like that. Yeah, and what was it like working with Richard Dreyfuss? Because my favorite film of all time is Jaws, and I, I know I, I think the guy's an absolute legend. Was was it was he as good as you'd hoped when you met him on set and got to work with him every day? I just had my, the hair on the back of my neck uh, rise when you asked me the question because that's what it was like being with him all the time. I mean, you know, Duddy Kravitz, uh, Jaws, Goodbye Girl, Close Encounters, um, that movie that he made, Mr. Something, where he was the music teacher. Yeah, yeah. But Richard Dreyfus has hit a home run every single time he's been on the screen. And he's had such an effect on me as an audience member and as a guy who appreciates, you know, what you can do when you're not necessarily the most handsome, tall, you know, uh, sex symbol uh, in terms of carrying a film, just at, at, with pure commitment and, 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 and charisma and, and, and magic. Um, so being alongside him and knowing, holy shit, you signed on to do this dream project of mine. I don't know why you did but I'll accept the fact that you recognize something that I did. And so somehow you and I are kind of like spending this moment in this parallel universe of admiring admiration. And, uh, you know, I'll never, I'll never, uh, I'll never forget it. It's, uh, it was beautiful. And he's, he's everything you had hoped uh, when you meet him, you know, he's so incredibly curious about, why we do what we do. He's incredibly in love with the craft. He loves acting. He spends a huge amount of time telling anecdotes and 
stories. He's very much in love with his past and and very much in, in, involved in his his present and what's to come. So um, he doesn't disappoint. That makes me so happy because they sometimes say don't meet your heroes or you never want to hear a bad story. But with Jaws being so iconic and my most watched film. I want him to be like Hooper when I meet him. I want him to be that kind of, that personality and that, that lovable character, you know? Yeah, he is, he is. Oh, wow. And a lot of the listeners that listen to this podcast are up-and-comers, so they're people that are directing films or going out to acting school and they, they tune in to listen to these actors and the interviews. Now, what advice do you give to those people that are trying to make a name for themselves and get into an industry at the moment that is so difficult to, to make a name for yourself? The, I mean, you happen to be living in a time now where you, the tools, in order to make a movie, you can get at the at the at the at the Mac store, you know, for under a thousand dollars. Yeah. Mean, you know, fucking Soderbergh shot his last movie on his iPhone. Um. So, uh, the answer to that question has always been, um, you want it bad enough, just do it. You know, find a way to, to either either write a script. If you're not a writer, I'm not a writer. And just read as many things as you can until you find something that you love. And then get, you know, call all your friends on the phone and ask for favors and, and beg, borrow, and steal. And just get it on screen and start showing it to people. You, you now have, you not only have the, 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 I, the iPhone where you can make a fucking movie, you know, like from cradle to grave. But you have YouTube, you have, you know, all kinds of ways to, like, get it seen by people, which well, I didn't have when I was a kid. I had to depend on breaking into, uh, and, you know, the edifices that were, that were already built that, you know, had their guard, their gates guarded and, you know, you had to break down walls in order to be noticed. Um, we're living in a time now where whatever you think you can, you can create it and have it seen. Um, take advantage of that. You know, just, just keep doing your thing. And try not to do what somebody else did. Or if you do, make sure your heroes are, are worthy of uh, emulating them and, and, and inspiring you. Amazing advice. And what's the future looking like for you now? Obviously, you've said you've got this film that you've been carrying around with that you want to direct at some point. But what about acting sort of roles? Have you got quite a lot in the pipeline over the next sort of, you know, couple of years? There's a few things I'm developing for television I have a lot of movies in the pipeline to produce, none of which have roles for me. The acting thing is kind of like uh, I, I let the universe take care of that. Yeah. Uh, when I want to be in control, I you know that's the, that's where the producing thing comes in, where I identify scripts that I want to spend time trying to raise and and you know and figure out how to get done. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on right now. Um, there are no acting jobs on the horizon at the current time, which is good because I've spent the last year and a half uh, working nonstop from one thing to another. I'm kind of tired. Yeah. So I could use a little bit of a, a breather. And then obviously having a family and stuff, it must be quite hard to get the balance right that you can commit to being a family man, being at home, but also traveling around the world, getting these roles done and, you know, building on your career. Well, I've been really lucky. My family's always understood how much this does for me personally and how good it is for the family in general when dad's working. So, um, it's always, it's always been, it's never been too much of a burden to, to try to, uh, walk the tightrope. Uh, I'm one of the lucky ones. 
And th- and then looking back at your career, is there anything that you kind of feel that you still want to achieve? I know you said it about halfway into this interview that if it was all taken now, you'd be happy. But is there a role that you're really key to get involved in or an, a director you want to work with? Or are you, are you really satisfied with everything up to this date? Well, there's a lot of directors I want to work with. That's for sure. Um, I want to see you with Christopher Nolan. I think that would be amazing. I mean, I, I, I'd like to just spend one day on a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, or wow. On a, on a Coen Brothers movie. Um, this guy, Paolo Sorrentino. Why can't I remember his name? You know who I mean? The guy, the guy who made The Young Pope with yes. Jude Law. Yes, yes. He's he's like the new Coppola for me. He's like, he somehow puts these images on the screen that are just indelible. I'd love to, you know, hopefully hook up with him at some point. Yeah, there's a lot of filmmakers that I really, really would love to just be around to watch their process and have them manipulate me into their into their beautiful visions. But uh, no, I mean, in terms of roles, it's it's been more than I could ever have imagined in terms of the swath of humanity that I've gotten to explore. So I just leave that to the gods. Um, I think I've gone over the time I was allocated, so I just wanted to say a massive thank you for coming on the podcast, and it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Pleasure's been mine, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Ron Perlman. Yes, even when I say it out loud, it doesn't sound real, but it did happen. And a guest that I've been wanting to get on Mark and me since I started podcasting. So for me personally, it's a dream come true. Ron right now is promoting his brand new film, which is Hitman Redemption. And you can pre-order this right now on Amazon and it's out on the 13th of May. I love the film. Hey, it had him and Richard Dreyfuss in. What more do you need? Do you know what I mean? The casting alone made me want to buy it. Right now as well, guys, you can go on to markandme.com. On there, you can go on to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my email address, or you can support me on my Patreon page. All the money that you guys subscribe to on Patreon goes straight back into the Mark and Me fund and means I can travel and do more and more podcasts and get you episodes more and more. And at the moment, you're getting a weekly episode, so it's worth that minimum, I think it's like 60, 70p. And right now as well, I'm giving away some awesome goodies Only last week, one of my biggest supporters, Martin, won this awesome Lost Boys bundle. Got this t-shirt, this rare Funko Pop, some Star Wars toys. It's really worth it. And hey, if you don't want to support me on Patreon, that's absolutely fine. The podcasts have and always will remain free. And they're all on Spotify, iTunes and Podomatic. Again, it's been an absolute thrill. I want to thank Ron for coming on the podcast. Hopefully one day we can do a follow-up to this and talk even more. Thank you to you guys for listening to the podcast. And again, I'll be back in a week's time with a brand new episode of Mark and Me. Take care, everyone. Out of the tree of life, I just picked me a plum. You came along and everything started into hum. Still it's a real good bet The best is yet to come Best is yet to come And babe, won't that be fine You think you've seen the sun But you ain't seen it shine Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met And 
Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come And babe, won't it be fine Best is yet to come, come the day you're mine I'm gonna teach you to fly We've only tasted the wine We're gonna drain the cup dry <laughs> Wait till your charms are ripe For these arms to surround You think you've flown before But baby, you ain't left the ground Wait till you're locked in my embrace Wait till I draw you near Wait till you see that sunshine place Ain't nothing like it here The best is yet to come And babe, won't it be fine? Best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Come the day you're mine, and you're gonna be mine. 